What number is this, Chip? Episode 55. Did somebody drop something? Like maybe, I don't know, a new monkey single? Wouldn't that be something? <laughs> Less more monkeys news. <laughs> okay, no, I mean, don't get excited, man. It's because I'm short. I know. You're listening to Zilch, a monkey's podcast. Back to your podcast full of monkeys, zilch. Exciting times here. We we have the the new single, and here we have John Hughes on the Zilch Hotline. Hello. Hey, what's up, Zilch Nation? Uh, I love it when you say that. I love you guys. <laughs> There's a lot of people that are like, did he just say Zilch Nation on your last appearance? And it was, <laughs> yeah, he did. And it's so cool because people are actually getting together across the country and having parties under the banner of Zilch. So it should be, yeah. Maybe we it's... can organize some uh, good times listening parties under the Zilch Nation. Wouldn't that be cool? Oh, wouldn't that be something? Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm stroking my beard thoughtfully. <laughs> like a Bond villain. Just like Dr. Evil. Only Dr. Good. Dr. Cool. Uh, (laughs) So, it's an exciting time. The new Monkeys single is out. And would you like to discuss it and let us know who played on it? Sure. Can you believe this is happening, first of all? I don't even think the great Oraculo could have predicted this. Uh, It is amazing. Um, Obviously, we know it's She Makes Me Laugh, written by the Fantastic Rivers Cuomo from Weezer. And a lot of people on... on, uh, the Facebook page and on the internet are asking who plays what, so I thought I'd break it down for everybody and make it easy. Obviously, Mickey on the lead vocal, you've got Peter and Nez both doing the backing vocals throughout the song. Uh, That is, in fact, Peter plucking away on his banjo, um, and Nez is playing a little guitar. He's not playing the 12-string, but he's playing guitar on that track as well. The 12-string is actually played by a guy named uh, Mike Viola, a very talented musician who was in the Candy Butchers, and he does a lot of soundtrack work, and especially works with uh, Adam Schlesinger quite a bit. And speaking of Adam Schlesinger, that's him on bass, and Brian Young from Fountains of Wayne on drums and percussion. Nope, it's not Mickey playing, just an incredible simulation. Uh, there we go. So there is the who played on what for this track. This is fantastic. So you heard it from the executive producer. Yes, sir. Of Good Times by the Monkees. That's pretty cool to be able to say that, huh? It, it's really kind of mind-blowing and amazing. And, and when I say it's a lifelong dream, I'm not just being a marketing guy. It really is. I mean, I've been a big fan of the Monkees since I was five years old and I got passed down a copy of the first vinyl album from my aunt. And uh, I I do wake up now that this is 
really happening and it's getting closer and closer and I have to pinch myself every morning and just thank my lucky stars that I got involved with this. Well, we're all pinching ourselves too. So tell us some more about the album. Well, um, the album is just amazing. You guys will love it. I was just so anxious to share the first track with everybody and I'm glad the reception is what it is because I didn't have any doubt. It's just great and gratifying to actually hear it. Um, I actually have in my hands the finished product. So it's coming sooner than you think. It's actually done. I'm looking at the uh, CD booklet as we speak and I've got the little sticker sheet that comes with it that's super cute. Uh, And it's going to be uh, just a really great album uh, and I think it, it's going to have a life for the next 12 months. I don't think this is a, a release week and then forget about it kind of project. There's so much good stuff on here that you know Rhino is committed to really push this album over the next 12 months minimum. And along those lines, we really need the fans' help um, when for this next week for She Makes Me Laugh, we really want it to chart. And the way the chart works now, it's not solely based on sales and airplay the way it used to be. It's based on sales, airplay, and streaming. So it would really help make this a success and help the monkeys chart if everybody bought the download when it was available um, and then just kept streaming the track. I mean, if you love the song, keep streaming it over and over again because there's no limit to uh, how many times you can stream it. And each stream counts towards charting, especially on the Spotify viral top 50, which kind of creates a snowball effect because then non-fans see the song appear on the viral top 50 and go, what the heck is this? And they check it out. So we really need the fans' uh, help to make this the first Monkees charting single since, uh, gosh, the Daydream Believer 86, right? Yeah, exactly. So, Zilch Nason and the Monkeys Army, I mean, I figure if Kiss can have the Kiss Army, the Monkeys should be able to have the Monkeys Army. Get out there and watch that YouTube clip. Get out there and, and buy that digital download. Let's make this something. And it's speaking of making things something, have you believed all the indie press that's talking about the single? And not only indie press, but Rolling Stone magazine? Well, that's funny because Brooklyn Vegan wrote about the single today, which was really amazing. It's very much a hipster uh, blog. Anybody that lives in Southern California will know what I'm talking about when I say it's a very Echo Park, Silver Lake type of blog. Um, We had Pitchfork write about it. Rolling Stone, you know, for all of the past and all of the... uh, the perception of how they feel about the monkeys. Andy Green, the writer at Rolling Stone, has been a huge supporter of the monkeys, at least for the last six or seven years. Uh, they've really come around, and you know, the rock hall, you know, from from your lips to God's ears, it may not be impossible. Uh, it, the rock hall could happen, so keep it up, you guys. Well, I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say this. A few years ago, we started the hashtag induct kiss movement. And that started on Facebook and on Twitter and everything and our podcasts and, and such. And it worked. And this last year we started a Facebook page called Induct Cheap Trick. Well, we've now started Induct the Monkeys. And we are pushing that hard. 
So awesome. if you can join our Facebook page, do a search for hashtag induct the monkeys, and we'll be using it on Twitter as well. So use it in, in your post. And it's really neat because when you click, whether it be on Twitter or Facebook, when you click on hashtag induct the monkeys, you'll see other posts that people have made. And it's 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 kind of like a neat little game. You get to see monkey pictures and stuff like that. So it's <laughs> Not, fantastic. But it also helps raise awareness. I tweeted Alice Cooper, Rivers Cuomo, uh, Meatloaf, uh, <laughs> a bunch of people, <laughs> even the Rock Hall and Rolling Stone magazine, uh, saying help us get the monkeys in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Hashtag induct the monkeys. So, Any retweets or responses? A few of them. So it's 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 starting. The, the the snowball is rolling downhill. Help us push, and we won't have to push at all. Fantastic. So everybody, hashtag induct the monkeys. You want to say it, John? It sounds so pretty. Hashtag induct the monkeys, please. There you don't go. Have, don't put the please, though. Just do hashtag induct the monkeys. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about the 45 we have an esteemed panel here today joining us and we're going to give our wonderful reviews of the new monkeys 45 she makes me laugh she makes me laugh she makes me to motivate everybody to stream she makes me laugh as much as possible because streaming is weighted heavily into chart placement now almost as much as uh digital downloads so any streams we get will help so if you haven't seen the monkeys this is the time to do it the monkeys on tour the 50th anniversary tour john it's exciting isn't it i think it's amazing these guys put on a fantastic show lots of surprises uh, in the set list this time, especially if you have a VIP package. I know it's pricey, but they will be doing songs at Soundcheck that you guys will be blown away that A, they're doing them, and B, they took the time to learn them. And for for the folks who happen to really love the new single, She Makes Me Laugh, Andrew Sandoval confirmed today that it's going to be played on the new tour. It will be, and I don't even be surprised if there was a little TV appearance in a few weeks as well. Oh, that would wouldn't that be something? There, wouldn't I got that to be say something. It. I got to say at that time. <laughs> <laughs> what a catchphrase! It's a great catchphrase. We love it. Oh, this is exciting. The monkey's coming on TV, on tour, on Blu-ray, on your CD player, your MP3 download. It just doesn't get any cooler than this. In this. The Year of the Monkeys. The Year of the Monkeys. The Monkeys are coming to your town, your Blu-ray player, your CD player, and your computer. And you need to be prepared. Thanks for your support, everybody. And please remember to download the digital single, stream it as many times as you can all this next week. Help get it on the charts. And I just look forward to hearing what everybody thinks about this, just the first of... 14, 13, depending on what configuration you buy. Great songs on good times. Well, thank you, John, once again for all that you've done for us as Monkey fans, all that you and Rhino continue to do. We also like to send a shout out to Andrew Sandoval and, of course, the Monkeys themselves. 
Mickey Dolans, Peter Tork, and Michael Nesmith, and in loving memory, Davy Jones. It's just so cool. And the, the Monkees touring band as well. We, we can't forget them. Thanks for stopping by, John. Sure. Can I drop another bomb before I leave? Please, the floor is yours. I swept it. <laughs> be near a computer on Tuesday. Wouldn't that be something? It will be something. <laughs> so here we go. Well, thank you, Mr. John Hughes. And here we are, joined by the esteemed Zilch panel for this episode. I'm joined by Jeff Hewlett. Hey, hey, Ken, how's it going? Very good. Craig Cohen. Hey, Ken, I brought the Scrabble game with me. Oh, excellent. And over on the pink party hats is Sarah Clark. Always. Well, hey, everybody. We also have Jeff Geringer. Wait, I'm in the canoe. Hang on, I'm coming. Hi. <laughs> And we have Melinda Gildart. Checking in from the mall. Checking in from the mall. And you sent us a picture of your new shoes. And we welcome a new contestant to Zilch. It's Mark from Monkey's Live Almanac. Hello, everyone. It's great to be here. Welcome aboard. This is your first time on Zilch. And we want to encourage people to check out your wonderful website, Monkey's Live Almanac. It pretty much captures the entire history and future of the monkeys as it unfolds. Well, thank you very much. Uh, it's a labor of love, but I, I love it. I really enjoy uh, hearing from everyone, too. Well, we're just we're, we're, we're glad you finally were able to join us. So, as uh, John was referencing earlier in the show, did somebody drop something? A new monkey single. Here we are. We're here today to discuss the merits of the new monkey single, She Makes Me Laugh. And the personnel on this track, ready? Everyone start taking notes. It's Mickey on lead, Peter and Mike on background vocals, Peter on banjo. On the 12-string Dan Electro is Mike Viola. Adam Schlesinger on bass, and Brian Young, also from Fountains of Wayne, because Adam Schlesinger is from Fountains of Wayne, is on drums. And Mike Nesmith, also on guitar. So there's our personnel so let's just go around the room real quick and just get your immediate thoughts. Melinda Gildart, what, what were your first impressions upon hearing it? Modern day nostalgia. Modern Amazing. day nostalgia. I like that. Okay, Jeff Hewlett? Uh, I, I agree with Melinda. It, I felt like it ca- kind of captured the, the feel of the older monkeys material, especially the, the earliest of, of pop tunes. Mark from Monkeys Live Almanac? I have to say, I was a little overjoyed to hear the banjo in the introduction. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was also glad to hear that, that the tambourine was used uh, throughout the song as well. I thought that was a nice touch, just a, a little nod to Davey. Mr. Jeff Geringer. I think it was a perfect look back on what the monkey's sound was. I think they captured that sound with the 12-string and the banjo perfectly. Oh, wow. Sarah Clark. It sounded like a classic Monkees single. It could, totally could have fit in with uh, any of their other singles, especially from the early period. Uh-huh. Craig Cohen. It was kind of what I was hoping for in the sense that it was a band producing music without having to sort of toe the, the line of current popular music. Very good. Well, today we're going to use what I call the Butler Grading Scale, and you have three potential votes on what you think of this song. 
The first one is a plus one. That means you really, really, really like it. A half if you just sort of like it, if you're in the middle range. And a big zero, bum, 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 if you don't like it. So we'll be getting those grades as we go on. And first, let's start with uh, Jeff Hewlett. Give me your, your thoughts on the lyrics of She Makes Me Laugh. Well, now, that's an interesting question because uh, I had one thought on them prior to starting this recording, but something that you said uh, before we started kind of made me rethink what I thought of the lyrics. So I well, don't know if it's necessarily I, – do I don't know if you want to spill that, that well, now. Well, I'll tell you what. Why don't you give us your first impressions? Well, my first impressions were I, I thought the lyrics felt a little bit on the silly side. The, the chorus is really good, um, but uh, – I wasn't sure how I felt about him. I had some mixed emotions, and we'll clarify that, I guess, once we get that listener comment out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Craig, what are your first initial thoughts lyrically on the tune? I really, really appreciated the fact that there was humor in the lyrics, and I think a lot of times people forget um, or overlook that the monkeys did have that comedy aspect you know it's it was always good when we saw that was a sort of a marriage between the tv show and 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 their music so i really appreciated the fact that there was um lyrical content that could make you smile uh, as you listen to the song melinda gildart the lyrics were simple yet memorable i mean how many of us are now talking about you know pink party hats and scrabble you know <laughs> they are deliciously hokey i I just think the song is amazing. Aha. Uh-huh. And Mark? I thought, I love the Pink Party Hats line. I, I, <laughs> I, I, the, the lyrics for me uh, is not a problem. I really enjoyed um, uh, the Scrabble reference, too. Again, going back to like the, the comedy aspect of the monkeys, if you will. And uh, Mickey's delivery of them, too, um, I thought was point on. Michael Lynch on the Facebook page not only gave us an update on the sales of how the Good Times album and the single was doing on Amazon, but he also uh, pointed out that sales of Scrabble are also up. So perhaps that has something to do with this. Jeff Geringer, your initial thoughts on the lyrics. Well, what I liked immediately was the um, relatability of the lyrics. Mm-hmm. You know, to me, that's always what makes a great song is when you can hear it and you go, yeah, that I feel that way or that emotion or that. And this is just a fun. We've all played Scrabble. We've all put on stupid party hats, you know. We've all gone to canoes when we shouldn't have. And, and that's what made it fun for me. <laughs> that's funny. We've all gotten on canoes when we shouldn't have. That pretty much sums up my experience on canoes and roller skating. So, uh, Sarah, your, your initial thoughts. I should never be on a canoe either, Ken. My first thought was, well, you got to understand, I like graduated from the monkeys almost straight into Weezer. I was a big fan of their early work. So I just adored the silly, quirky verse lyrics. I thought they were fun, even if they weren't, you know, allegedly typically monkeys. So I agree with some other folks 
who are pointing out that the humor is a little more typically monkeys than you know we might sometimes think. Uh, uh, I sort of like the whole. Um, I originally interpreted the girl in the song as sort of kind of this you know manic pixie dream girl kind of girlfriend, but uh, we've got heard of another interpretation I think I like even better. But I'm sure we'll get to that in a minute. So mm-hmm. my first impressions were pretty positive. Very good. And uh, you know I, I started writing this piece about. You know, I started off with, remember the feeling as a child when you woke up and morning smiled this time you felt like you did then? That's kind of what I had in in mind as far as the lyrics, not so much that relates to that song, but to when most of us heard the monkeys, we were either young, you know, children or in our teens. And, you know, you kind of, as you grow up, you kind of lose touch with that. And there were some people who seem to be at, at odds with the simplicity or the youthful exuberance, if you will, of the lyrics. You know, a lot of people say, well, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, but I have this opinion. First, never apologize for your opinion. If, 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 if you don't like a monkey song, that's okay. All of us here on this panel, there are songs that we like and songs that are our favorites and songs that are not our favorites. Correct, guys? Absolutely. <laughs> let's, totally. let's start that. Yeah. We'll start that argument again. Yeah, like for example, save that for another episode. <laughs> for example, Craig loves "Let's Dance On," and oh. at any party he has, it's on the playlist, right? Oh, totally. So and there the one, you go. And one of us likes she's moving in with Rico. Who could that be? Well, <laughs> not I, me. It, it's not so much that I I love it, but it's it's not as bad as all the rocks being thrown at it. But anyway, that's another episode upcoming the pullet discussion in the year 2020 so when you're young and you're in love you know you you can almost picture this being a romp can't you oh without question i mean i'd almost love to for them to take like old footage from the tv show and make a video of it like you know that picture where mike's sniffing the flower and he like throws his head up in this big grin and you know they've all had the sparkles you know davy's always had the sparkle in his eyes so you know you could almost see this playing out but one of our listeners and facebook users stevens a9 writes okay maybe i'm just a bit slow on the upswing but I just today realized that she makes me laugh may be about a father and a daughter. As a daddy with two little girls, this song just became a whole new experience. And I believe Sarah posted, mind blown. So, (laughs) uh, what do you guys think about the possibility? And you know, because you almost have to ask yourself, what do you want from the monkeys in 2016? Which is a question we will ask later in the panel but you know mickey's now to the point where he could be everybody's i'll say ruggedly handsome so he can keep all of his ego intact grandpa you know so (laughs) (laughs) the lyrics take on a whole new meaning what are your thoughts on that jeff hewlett well i think my thoughts on that are that made me rethink my initial thought on my grade and i think my grade's going up Uh oh i think it makes the song uh even more meaningful i think it's it's uh you know, I, I was thinking of um, kind of like what Sarah was thinking, where it was like the whimsical, wacky, you know, hipster chick. You know, I, I, and, uh, I was like, ah, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. But if it's actually a father singing about his daughter, that's actually kind of brilliant. Yeah. And, you know, when you talk about it maybe being like some hipster girl who, like, uses her cell phone, I, I, I immediately think of Zoe Deschanel. 
That's yeah. why it was losing points <laughs> yeah. for me, because that's who I was thinking of. <laughs> Jeff Geringer, your thoughts? Well, as a father of a beautiful daughter, I now totally look at it in a different way. Yeah, I mean, you really did. You know, Sarah was right. You blew my mind with the concept that it was about a, a child, because these are all the things that you do, especially as a dad, trying to stay in touch with your daughter and find anything that you can do together because kids all want to go off on their own and kind of leave parents in the dust. So, yeah, from a from a first-generation fan, I, it was an awesome choice. Mark? It made me uh, think about Mickey, and maybe this, if, if that is indeed uh, the meaning behind the song, maybe it spoke to Mickey. Uh, Mickey always talks about his daughters, Amy. It made me think of uh, his live album uh, from 54 Below. Uh, if you guys are familiar, I mm-hmm. think he does the introduction to Mr. Cellophane, I think it is where he talks about going to the ice skating rink with Amy um, and the experiences they had there. And then also with Dolan's and daughters, uh, you know, Mickey obviously has a great love for his daughters and, and that could be an interesting spin on it. Very good. Melinda. I think it's very much possible that it's, you know, a dad talking to his daughter. I can't think of uh, the commercial that is uh, running now. It's, it's uh, you know it shows a dad who's dressing up in like a princess outfit and you know you don't think <laughs> yeah. of it you know he's putting on the makeup and everything and then you know he opens the door and you know he's in there you know with his daughter and um, you know I think it's very much possible. My interpretation is a little different though. I think it's a millennial speaking to a millennial. Um, so maybe we can touch on that later. But yeah, I think it's very much possible. It's, you know, the pink party hats. You know, it made me think of that commercial that I just saw. You know, like maybe a few days ago about the dad dressing up for his daughter. And, of course, I turn this over to my brother, Craig Cohen, who is, in fact, as we speak, sporting a pink party hat. <laughs> and proudly. Oh, yes, always. Wait, I you could almost, wait, hold on, you could almost do a Percival Patterson's pet pig porky. I'm proudly sporting, or proudly pink party hat. Anyway, you go on. Uh, no, I love that imp- uh, interpretation of the song and, and the lyric. Um, it, it definitely seems like a, a very valid interpretation. And that's the other thing I love about these lyrics. Like a lot of monkey songs that we've debated what the true meaning is, this is another one that we can add to that to that canon now. Yeah. But it is going to be hard to listen to this song and not think of it in this way. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. and you can look at it this way or that. And speaking of looking at it this way or that... Sarah, how are you looking at it? Well, as some uh, listeners know, I used to run a blog called Fandom Lenses before I got sucked into this whole podcasting thing. And this interpretation is just kind of this other different way, this other different kind of lens that we can look through the song, look at the song through. And what it made me think of this, I really only read about this, like, uh, this got posted on the board, like, about a half hour before we recorded. But what this interpretation made me think of was my dad sitting there patiently listening to me when I was 11 years old and delivering all this awesome music trivia that I, monkeys trivia, that I thought was the most interesting things in the world. Like, they played their own instruments on headquarters, and did you know Mike's <laughs> mom invented liquid paper? And he would just sit there smiling and nodding, and, you know, I, I, it just, it for some reason, when I heard that, it brought back that time in my life when I was kind of a brand new monkeys fan, and I have no idea if Rivers Cuomo meant for us to apply that lens to that song but i can totally see 
Mickey Dolan's of 2016 singing that song through that lens. And in any case, it's, it's kind of an interesting way to sort of look at the song. Having a dinner date with one of his lovely daughters. Mm-hmm. Or playing Scrabble with Craig's pink party hat. So, and Kenneth, and yes. Kenneth if, I, if I could jump in here and just agree with what Sarah is saying, Ken, you mentioned youthful exuberance too earlier on. For me, um, this experience has, has brought me back to when I first became a fan uh, when seeing the Monkees on MTV in 1986. Mm-hmm. Being the first single since Heart and Soul, I remember going to a wall-to-wall sound and video and finding that vinyl 45 there right up front. And to have that happening now 20 years later youthful exuberance indeed yeah but it's amazing when you're uh like i'm i'm 53 <laughs> and my sometimes my youthful exuberance uh done gone left but uh yes. i've got a new ace fraley song and he did a video with paul stanley a kiss and if anyone knows me they know i'm a huge kiss fan so that made me feel 15 when that video came out i i, I was crying i'm not kidding and then cheap trick another band i love put a new album out and now we have a new monkeys album in 2016 who would have thought who would have thought and you know there's not many bands that flew the flag in the 60s that are corporately as a unit or as a band putting out new music there's what the beach boys put one out a couple years ago yeah they put out one on their 50th Mm -hmm. and the stones are working on a new album apparently yeah that's what I heard. But th- it's it's not that many people, or bands sp- specifically. Not so. that could put out an album and get this kind of attention. There's a lot of 60s bands that are sort of out there playing the county fair circuit and, and making a good living. But to be able to release a new song in 2016 and get the press that this new single has gotten really showcases you know, what, uh, you know, what an elite group the Monkees are a part of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And as fans, we continue to be spoiled by people like Andrew Sandoval and John Hughes and Adam Schlesinger, who are looking at this project and overseeing it with a great amount of care. For sure. And I, I think Craig touched on it, the amount of press that this single has gotten. And, you know, just checking the sites, you know, Billboard did a write-up, Rolling Stone, Newsweek, Entertainment mm-hmm. Weekly, ABC News Radio, Stereo Gum, Punk News, punk news <laughs> they yeah. posted the video on punk news and one person actually commented that that was the best song posted on that site in a while so wow. that blew me away too that is awesome and before we get off the the main subject of the lyrics of the song you know we have to have our our main man ghosty shatner this up and do a vocal delivery of this song as you know kind of like shatner would have done do you guys think that'd be funny Hell yes. Always. Oh, very much so. (laughs) Anything from Ghosty. Yeah, we we, Ghosty, you need to do that. So let's talk about the musical discoveries on the track, because I know that for myself, the first time I heard it, I'm like listening, is that a banjo? Because it's kind of muted and understated. And, you know, could that be Mike on guitar? And could this be this? And, you know, and you're trying to figure it all out. Uh, Jeff Hewlett, your thoughts musically on the track She Makes Me Laugh? Uh, I think on my first listen to the track, I, I think the music for me overrode the, the... I paid much more attention to the music than I did to the lyrics. And the banjo was very cool. On subsequent listens, I kind of honed in a little bit more on it. 
it it feels great it sounds great the production is incredible um you can definitely tell there's a lot of love that went into putting this track together and i, I really hope the rest of the album turns out to be as good uh musically and production wise as this song very good sarah clark um, the two things that stood out for me were Mike Viola on 12 string. My goodness, he, it may not have been Nez on that 12 string, but somebody, he was listening to a lot of old recordings because he managed to get that uh, jangly 12 string, you know, that just that unique 12 string sound that screams monkeys whenever we hear that. Uh, that was the one, one thing that stood out to me. And also just the... Um, uh, the background vocals when um, you know when Mike and Peter came uh, came in on the on the backgrounds on the uh, uh, vocals it was like yes this is a monkey sa- uh, song and that's kind of when uh, my rational brain kind of shut off at that point because it was just it was such an experience hearing this the first twenty times really so Melinda Gildart well you know as mentioned the production is spot on overall you know it's a fantastic sounding track. Um, the 12 string Dan Electro is amazing. I actually went to the Dan Electro site where they let you sample the sounds of it and it, you know, it just captures that sound amazingly in that, in that record. Um, you know, Peter's banjo is amazing, but upon first hearing it, I thought it could have been a mandolin. You know, it's just, you know, really, really quirky sounding and it's, it's just awesome. Um, the backing vocals, I, I love, you know, Mike and Peter's backing vocals, they just, you know, take Mickey's voice to another level, if that's even possible, because he completely nails it. Mm-hmm. Mark? Yeah, uh, I mean, it's great to have Michael uh, and Peter playing on the track. Uh, I'm going to concur with Sarah, the guitar work, just throughout the entire song, even through the bridge there, you know, as, as Mickey is mm-hmm. doing the vocal. Just really catchy, and to me, it just, it just screams like a, a summer song, if you will. Oh yeah, definitely a summer song. Michael Nesmith posted yesterday, as of this recording, lots of question about the 12-string on the new record. It wasn't me or my Gretsch. The producer, Adam Schlesinger, says, quote, not quite sure, but I think it was Mike Viola playing a Dan Electro 12-string. Mike goes on to say, I thought it sounded great. Monkeys are everywhere. You never know where they'll be found. That's the news from here. When Michael Nesmith posted the link to the YouTube video via Rolling Stone, Michael Nesbitt said, Welp, here we go. Remember, there are all kinds of immortality, and this one looks pretty happy. Which I thought was a really nice summation of things. (laughs) Tell me I'm not the only one who got a little misty-eyed at that. It was just so sweet. You're not the only one, Sarah. He's really come full circle. Yes, yeah, and it's just, as a Nez head, it's just wonderful to see. Craig Cohen, your thoughts on the instrumentation of She Makes Me Laugh. Again, it was good to hear music that wasn't sort of bowing down to a contemporary sound. And the production on this sounds very modern in the sense that it's taking advantage of all the wonderful technology that we have. But there was a real emphasis on just cleanly capturing the instruments and presenting the music in you know a manner that... We, we sort of are used to hearing the monkeys in. So, again, it was really good to hear uh, monkeys music that didn't have anything to prove, um, or at least a band that's at a point in its career where, um, th- you know, they really don't have to t- 
top the charts, even though I, I think this album is going to do very well. Well, it's interesting that you mention that, Craig, because uh, as we, as I mentioned earlier, Ace Frehley put a new album out, and he was able to go to number nine on the Billboard charts. I can't imagine the Monkees not going at least top twenty with this. I oh, checked totally. Well, and keep in How mind when you when you bought a ticket through Ticketmaster, you got a free download of the album. So mm-hmm. every ticket sold for this upcoming Monkees concert tour is that CD purchase. I checked Amazon this morning before we went on, and I saw that Good Times is number 29 on Amazon. I'm gonna have and I also checked a few other spots. Right before we started uh, on YouTube, the single has over 130,000 views right now. On oh. iTunes, on their hot tracks, uh, She Makes Me Laugh is at number 39. And She Makes Me Laugh is also charting on Amazon, although it's uh, um, at 192 there. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's what's the YouTube count? The YouTube count was over 130,000. That's pretty good for a day and a half or so. <laughs> and they count for sales, if I believe if I'm correct now. Yes. Oh! Right? Doesn't the streaming yeah. on YouTube? As a matter of fact, Spotify, streaming from iTunes, or uh, s- streaming on YouTube, all of that counts. It's almost like... When you used to call up the DJ at your radio station back in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, well, now you want to call up, just click on YouTube a few times. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) Because all this stuff, the way Billboard is now counting things, they're now counting that as part of the popularity of a single. Which makes sense. Just like the old uh, call-ins used to do. Jeff Geringer, your thoughts... On She Makes Me Laugh. Musical. Well, you know, I always have trouble listening to the song the first time because my emotions get involved. You know, it's been a long time waiting for this single. And it, first time I liked it, second time I really liked it, third time I really, really liked it. And from that point on, uh, I was hooked. I also found it interesting, and I want to give credit where credit is due on the Zilch Facebook page. Jennifer Sousa Reiner was the first one that mentioned that uh, the Monkees single sounds a lot like that thing you do from the Tom Hanks movie. Mm-hmm. And when you got deeper into it, you found out, well, Jonathan Schlesinger produced that track, The Thing You Do. Um, also, Mike Viola played 12-string guitar on That Thing You Do. Now, this isn't a stairway to have anything here. I mean, there's no melody ripoff. It's just stylistically, it kind of sounds like that that sound. But that sound from the movie was probably influenced by what the Monkees did. Yeah. Well, when you think about it, that thing you do is kind of, I want to hold your hand, redone a little bit. find it interesting that they had Nez in the studio and didn't use him on 12-string? No? Okay, it's just me. Well, yes and no. I think that it also comes down to time restraints. You know, a lot of the 
like for example the early monkey albums they were recorded in like what a week you know if that right and they would do it in spaces and you know people are saying well you know it's sad the monkeys weren't all in the same studio at the same time and it's like well they weren't in the 60s when boyce and hart would record them they'd purposely mm-hmm. have to separate them because they would start wrestling <laughs> during the recording a pile studio. on the floor yeah, sure. yeah we, we all floor. have to i mean we have these romantic ideas about uh, you know the the creative revolt and all that stuff but we really have to remember that headquarters even after they got control headquarters was the exception and not the rule right but people also have to realize that a professional recording it's not done with a bunch of people in a room you do yeah. your part <laughs> And, you know, they, they give you a track and then you do your part and then they bring the next person in, they do their part and they put it all together so that it's sonically pure, if you will. That being yeah, I said, I can't wait to get my hands on the booklet. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. absolutely. Uh, yeah. The one riff in the song just before it goes to the chorus reminds me of a Beatles song, It Won't Be Long. Does anyone else hear that? Yeah, I hear it a bit. Ken, could it be any time at all? Well, yeah, now that you mention it. So you see they have semi-similar wind-ups to the chorus, if you will. So it's kind of a stylistic thing for 60s pop, if you will. 60s pop and rock. What do you guys think about the sleeve? Jeff Hewlett, your thoughts on the sleeve? Of a digital I mean, single, by the way. Ah, it's, it's kind of whimsical. It's cute. Um, I think it, it kind of harkens back a bit to the old days. It's pretty cool. Craig Cohen. I think it's cool. I think it fits the overall uh, artistic presentation of the album that we've seen so far. So it's it's cool to see that there is sort of a synergy there. Mm. And if you look at it, it kind of looks like it could be a children's drawing as well, which leads um, further uh, credence to the... Uh, the fan theory about uh, lyrically what the song's about. Hmm. Sarah Clark. It almost feels like, because I wasn't a big fan of the album cover when it was presented. I thought it was okay, but I didn't like immediately fall in love with it. But it seems like the single, it's like they're using it like a coloring book page and sort of filling in the colors on some of the different art on it. And I'm really fascinated to see what other bits they're going to kind of pull in um, on the various uh, single cover art. And it actually, not only did I think it was cute as a single cover, it sort of helped me appreciate the album cover a little bit more. Melinda Gildart. Yeah, it's definitely cute. I, I think it's really cool. But, you know, I like the album cover. And I think that the single cover is just an extension of that. Right. And so with each one, I guess, like Sarah said, we're going to see pieces, you know, sort of pulled out and, you know, further examined uh, with those single covers. I think it's, a, it's you know, a nice gimmick. Mark from Monkey's Live Almanac. Well, I'm glad we're talking about this. So I'm presuming that the dress, the girl in the yellow dress, the line from Randy Skousgit, is this a reference to the song? That's what I took it as. That's what oh, I took I it as. Yes. And what about the man in the suit? Now, I need help with that. Well, 
funny that you mention it. Here's here's a couple things from the Zilch Facebook page. Rick Gladden wrote, Has anyone noticed the connection between the cover of the single and the episode Some Like It Lukewarm? The episode that was posted last week of the example of the monkeys on Blu-ray. Because was, wasn't, wasn't Davey in a yellow dress in that? Anyways. Oh, in the pad when he was trying to learn how to walk? Yeah. No, that was kind of... <laughs> But Diana Waldrop Burns followed up with, and Randy Scouse Git finally got the girl in yellow dress. And then Rick Gladden replied, Would that girl be Davy? Since, you know, the girl in yellow dress. <laughs> Rather than pursue that. <laughs> we all, Lord knows, we all laughed at that episode enough. So I guess that she makes me laugh as well. So, any final thoughts on the cover? From well, any, we have, who, who we have ice cream cone, an ice cream cone on there too. Uh, that that's a that's a question mark for for me. Yeah, well, I kind of went back to the scene from Head where Peter was sitting there oh. and getting ice cream over and over. Uh, there you go. Wow. And then would the umbrella be the penguin or would it be uh, Davy from Daddy's song? Yeah, Daddy's song. Mm-hmm. Right. And the crown. Well, you know these discussions are what's hard to explain to your spouse. No, yeah, we sat absolutely. there for ten minutes and, and debated the, <laughs> the yellow dress. I mean, well, it's funny because I have been looking at the uh, at the, the the sleeve of it, and I see the hat, which I'm presuming uh, is supposed to be Wizard Glick's hat. Yeah, Davy's mm. maracas, Davy's tambourine. Mm. There's a couple of pair of sunglasses there, a microphone stand, but I was stumped on the crown and the ice cream. But the ice cream makes sense, Peter and Head. Yeah, I wonder if when the booklet comes out, they actually have like a you know a point. Key. This means this. Wouldn't that be great? Well, I, I, I know that it's coming with a set of stickers from the CD, so you get a sticker set. Well, the crown could be Davy uh, from Prince and the Paupers. Yeah, yeah, I was kind of trying to remember that myself. Or any time they ran into royalty, which was semi-regularly in the TV mm-hmm. show. So. Or another you- nod back to Randy Scouts get because you know uh, Mickey wrote it based on their trip to England. Oh, mm-hmm. Or good. Kings of EMI, yeah. So the, 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 the cover will be open to interpretation like Sgt. Pepper's and Princes Around the World in a Day and so many cool album covers that we all looked at. And uh, this is this is going to be fun. And I, didn't John Hughes mention that uh, there would be a key in the booklet uh, breaking down? I the, seem the- to remember that. But we will find out for sure soon. We will have our grubby little hands all over it. So in in tandem with the release of the single, they really sort of presented it with that lyric video, which is kind of, I think, the new way to do a video nowadays. It's cheap, and it's an easy way to to spread things on social media. Listening to the song for the first time with the lyric video also sort of impacted my feelings on the song. In what way? You know, I mean, it was a visual experience as well as an oral experience, which I guess was sort of like watching the show. Mm-hmm. Except but they weren't it, bouncing it, around, and we'd see them bounce from panel to panel. But yeah, you know. Uh-huh. Well, I think on the Facebook group you likened it to what the Dell Comics. Yeah, it's actually taken from the Dell Comics from back in the day. So mm-hmm. that, to mm-hmm. me, as a as a comic book fan, I, I thought it was great, and it really summed up and captured the feel of the show and what it was like to be a young kid you know looking at those comics or even watching the show in some ways you know i I, i've got mixed feelings on it because for me it was it was cool to see the the song sort of presented in that romp style Mm -hmm. but at the same time it was disappointing to see the the you know the boys sort of captured in time 
and and not seeing the artists that they are today. And I, I think if you go back and we referenced earlier the 50th anniversary release that the Beach Boys had, mm-hmm. that album really sort of tapped into the nostalgic feeling of listening to the Beach Boys, but at the same time it presented them as older artists. And the overall theme of that album was sort of you know being older and and looking back and and looking ahead even and i kind of hope that at least is sort of touched on 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 the new monkeys album so like i said for me it was kind of you know mixed feelings because as great as it is to see a sort of a time capsule um i think there is you know a, a valid um, reason to want to see the guys as, as they are today, but I guess we'll see that when we see them in concert. Uh-huh. But it was good. also cool to see Davey presented with the band as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Very true. Very true. Sarah, your thoughts on the lyric video? I thought that the lyric video was a a cute idea. I enjoyed the visuals of it. I loved the callback to the old Dell comics, which I should be more familiar with. I need to get my hands on some of those. But I thought it did the song itself a little bit of a disservice, kind of in the ways that Craig Cohen described. As far as... I, I, I wonder if people maybe were were kind of confused by the lyrics a little bit more because of that. It grew on me. I really like it. It was this fun thing. It was this fun um, kind of nostalgia thing. And yes, the monkeys are about more about than about nostalgia. Yes, we hope we're going to get a more mature sound uh, out of the album as a whole. But we have to remember, this is one song out of 13 tracks on the main album, and then you know, 15 or 16 total, depending on how you do the math. So I think this makes total sense as a lead-off single that brings you kind of back into that happy, nostalgia, slightly bubblegummy thing that the monkeys were, especially in the early period. And then I have a feeling, or at least a hope, that the subsequent uh, singles, and of course the album itself, will sort of take us into those deeper waters that we all love the monkeys for as well. Uh-huh. Jeff Geringer. Well, it just seems to me, now correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like they're really trying to push the image of the monkeys from the 60s. You know, if you look at the cover of the album, there's no picture. The back of the album, there's no picture. Uh, The video, lyric video, there's no picture of the guys. And so they want you to remember the monkeys as they were, and I think that's a conscious effort uh, by the powers that be. So uh, as far as the video, it it was okay. It was nostalgic for me because I do have those Dell comics. Uh But yeah, it was... uh, the entire project of everything we've discussed today, uh, the video was kind of the weakest link. Excuse the pun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jeff, <laughs> Jeff Hewlett. Wow, I, I guess I'm the first one that actually really likes the video. Um, and everybody's kind of mixed on it or a little bit uh, weak on it. But I, I actually got me a little more emo than just listening to the song alone because it really did throw me back. And you know, as much as we want to look at the monkeys because we're all fans, that's why we do this podcast and you know we want to look at them as they are today but you know it is the 50th anniversary and it it is a lot about nostalgia as much as you know we might not want it to really just be about nostalgia but for a lot of people it is and I think showing those comics and you know having them kind of slide around with the lyrics popping up as you're hearing this great poppy song I think it took me back Mm -hmm. to a place that I kind of wanted to be and even though I'm I'm an an 80s monkeys fan uh, you know I'm not an original 60s monkeys fan not not quite old enough for that 
but they reminded me of being a kid and and seeing the 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 guys on the page doing their their routines and i think it was much more effective seeing the comics than it would have been if they used clips from the show so mm-hmm. i'm kind of glad they went that way yeah um but you know yeah. i i really liked it i i thought it was really well done um and i i enjoyed it quite a lot on the other hand there's the part of me that wants them to do a uh romp style thing you know where it just like seems current like current monkeys you're... doing a romp what was that like the current three monkeys doing a romp? No, no. That might be um, a little dangerous, Ken. No, no. I mean that, you know, it seems like you're watching the monkeys show and all of a sudden the song starts playing and it's they like kind of recut it like when they would rerun the shows and add the different tracks in. It would just be cool to see them play with that a little bit. I, and if, if Rhino doesn't do it, I know some fan will. So. Oh, there are fans <laughs> who are messing around with that thing. Uh, on their video editors right now as we speak, I there's, can guarantee. There's someone probably taking those monkey action figures that came out not too long ago and doing a whole video. So, mm-hmm. or and I know Dylan's... I hope John Hughes and Andrew aren't sitting here listening, you know, to what I'm going to say and say, "Gee, can't we make these guys happy?" But <laughs> you know, they've released some pictures from the recording sessions, mm-hmm. but it, there hasn't been any of the, like the three monkeys together, or a professional shot, or. Or something like that. Wouldn't that be wonderful to see the the three guys back together in a studio? I, I don't know. That's what I miss with the character of the of the single sleeve. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, here's the thing. We're like trying desperately to find nits to pick about this whole business because we have to like look at it from all angles. But we're talking about the first monkey single in 30 years, and I think there's an argument to be made that it might be the best single we've had since since the 60s and it's just amazing that we're having this moment and i mean we're really just i this is I, this is what i call praise through very faint damnation here as much as i loved heart and soul i did not like every step of the way so this is an extreme mm-hmm. improvement over that in my well opinion. let's go back to anything from just us okay you do that <laughs> well, you know, I, I, when we were talking about listening to this single for the first time, I remembered when I heard Justice for the first time and songs like Admiral Mike and all these things. And I remember this, these aren't the monkeys I love, but this yeah. single, boy, does it deliver. It's exactly what you want. So, so it's in that sweet spot, if you will. You bet. Okay. Melinda Gildart, your thoughts on the video? I love the video. And, you know, this single isn't my first monkeys you know single um it is my first monkey single period (laughs) because i i wasn't born in the 60s Uh, when i watched the show the reruns as a kid you know it was like okay the show went off i went about my business i wasn't interested in the music so i've listened to their entire catalog just in the last few years this is the first single for me so i'm really excited and seeing that video it just captured everything. It brought back those memories of running home from school to watch the show when I was a kid. Um, but at the same time, I could see how it relates to the current generation. Uh-huh. You know, this album, this song is definitely a nod to the 60s. It's to give, you know, the uh, the current and, and the previous fans what they want. But at the same time, you know, we're talking about this group that this so-called manufactured group from 50 years ago you know, we want the monkeys to go on, not just always look back. So to capture, you know, the attention of, you know, the younger generation, you need something like this. And I think it does it perfectly. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's the visual that captures it. You know, it shows the guys definitely beefed up. Did anybody else notice that? 
<laughs> you're a lot beefed up in these comics than they were in real life. But oh, yeah. I think it was just so cute. It, it was so cute and perfect for the song and the lyrics. Well, you also mentioned lyrically how we want certain throwbacks to the 60s, but it's also cool that we're like getting the, uh, the, the feel that somebody is, uh, you know, texting pictures of their shoes and pictures of yes. them at the mall and all that stuff. So it's Snapchat. Yeah, Snapchat. exactly. So it's current and classic at the same time. So mm-hmm. that's kind of hard to pull off. It'll be interesting to see how the rest of the album and the other songwriting contributors, uh, I wonder if they will channel that as well. So I guess it's time to log our votes. We have the Butler system, which plus one means you really, really, really like it. Then half means you just sort of like it or it's in the middle for you. And then the big zero, and that means goose egg, you don't like it. Boom, boom, ba, dum, that was my imitation of the price is right. <laughs> Craig Cohen, would you like to log in your vote and please tabulate these for us, sir? Um, sure thing. I will say that I am going to give this a, a like. Um, I think overall it is a, a, a really, really great song. Um, the verses for me are a little weaker, but that 12-string riff and that chorus, that chorus is just a monster, and, and that's the part of the song that really stuck with me, and and that's really what you want a song to do. But but right now, who knows, maybe in a, in a couple of weeks my vote will change, but right now I'm just going with the uh, with the one. So So you're going half? Yep. Okay, so we have a half for Craig. Jeff Hewlett, your vote, sir. Uh, you know, I don't know how fond I am of this uh, this rating system, but um, uh, I, I don't know if I can give an, a completely accurate assessment because I think I'd fall somewhere between the the uh, the half and the one. Mm-hmm. So I think I'd like a three quarters. But um, <laughs> so you're almost on the hustler scale of, but we won't go into that. It's yeah, the conflict so, for the monkeys podcast again. I'm a monkeys color cast again. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So I, I, I guess I, I guess I'll have to go with the half, like Craig. I, I really, I, I do enjoy it. I don't know if I, if I listened to it enough or had the time. I haven't obviously I haven't compared it to the other tracks in the album to think whether or not I really, 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 really like it. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm gonna have to go with the half for lack of an in-between vote possibility. So would you like to do a, an in-between vote like a seventy-five uh, percent? Yeah, yeah, I'd give it a three quarters. All right, well then let's let's we're we're uh, adding to the Butler scale. So, Craig, to give Craig the opportunity, yeah. Craig, would you like to uh, change your vote or? You yes, should... I will. I will uh, fall in line with Jeff's three quarter vote. All right, so just tabulate that. So. Yep. All right, all right. So next we've got Melinda Gildart. Where do you fall down on the scale? Your vote, well, I, I sort of created my own list of criteria. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I'm going to give it the highest mark based on those criteria. And for me, it's first of all because the song just personifies what the monkeys uh, are. Um, it also inspired childhood memories. It has a very hooky chorus. Um, the 12 string and the banjo, you know, are amazing. So, uh, you know, and production is fantastic. And, you know, it's also rompable, which means to me that, you know, this track can just easily slide into 
one of uh, the romps, especially the romp from One Man Shy, where they played I'm a Believer. I think it would be perfect for that episode. Um, or even um, the romp uh, girl from some uh, girl I knew somewhere from, you know, the uh, Monkeys Get Out the Dirt um, episode. It's just perfect for the series. It just inspires that whole nostalgic feeling. And it's primarily a two-minute pop song. I don't care what iTunes says. They, I think they have it marked exactly at three minutes, but it's my my criteria. So I'm going to say it's a two-minute pop song. So with all those things going the monkey's way, I give it the highest score. So a plus one from Melinda Gildart. Mark from Monkey's Live Almanac. Ken, I'm going to give it a plus one. I think my uh, emotions or my attachment to it right now might be a little clouded by the fact that, you know, in 2016... We have a brand new Monkey single uh, with a great lead vocal by Mickey Dolenz, Peter Tork, and Michael Nesmith singing harmonies and providing instrumentation. Just thinking back, I, I think I said earlier in the show, 20 years ago to Heart and Soul, and, and now realizing that it was 30 years ago, um, I'm going to have to give it a plus one for that reason. Mm-hmm. Very good. Sarah Clark. Well, I was waffling about this. Uh, I've been trying to wrap my head around what I thought of it the first day or so. But then I uh, had a chance. I was running around errands the other day, and I put the song on my uh, phone. It had been playing on my phone anyway, but I ran it through my car speakers. I rolled down my car windows, and I was just tooling up the road, blasting that thing at full volume, singing along. I was already starting to memorize the lyrics, and I was like, this is totally a plus one. This is everything you want out of just a good, feel-good, summertime monkeys song. So, plus one from me. Uh-huh. Jeff Geringer. Oh, plus one for me, easily. Um, what was so fun about this is the emotional part gets in you know the anticipation for this single to come out and then they give it to us a day early thank you thank you um but oh it just it just warms up as you keep on going and and what i really love about it is to be able to hear the harmonies and the background vocals between mike and peter um you hear that with the mickey lead it just it just mm-hmm. warms my heart i can't i can't tell you the emotions it brings up but Boy, Ryan, you guys, to me, knocked this one out of the park. Yep. I just hope that they can use this as a jumping board, you know, to really get the guys out there, maybe get them on a late-night talk show or, or something where they can really expose that they're back together to all these people and get some, some nice publicity in a mainstream area, you know, like a Jimmy Fallon or Jimmy Kimmel or something like that. Or the Today as opposed Show to a website. or something. Yeah, it just would be great to get that out there. Well, wouldn't that be something? Yeah, I, I actually, I definitely see... Wait a minute, Ken. What are you doing? Are you dropping a bomb here that you want to tell us or what? <laughs> no, I'm just I'm just going to let that just lay there. Wouldn't <sighs> that be something? Mark did mention Jimmy Fallon, and that definitely... The kind of things that Jimmy Fallon does, it definitely seems like that's... The monkeys are in his wheelhouse for, yeah. um, you know, sort of tapping into nostalgia, which is what, you know, Jimmy Kimmel seems to like to do um, when he's not lip-syncing to stuff. And as we learned from Jimmy Fallon, he opened for the Monkees at the Universal Amphitheater in 1989. Oh, wow, that's right. And he right. recently had Mickey on as well last mm-hmm. year, right. last fall, I believe, right? Right. Yep. Very but cool. will, my question for everyone here is, will these, you know, if there's potential for a nationwide appearance like this, will this include uh, Michael Nesmith as well? Because I think 
for the momentum to go forward, uh, if we do nationwide appearances like this, you know, on a grand scale, I think NES is, is going to have to be a key component for this, don't you think? Possibly. Yes. Possibly. Of yeah. course, we know that NES recently was interviewed by the CBS Sunday morning show, so... Well, and he also went up with John and Andrew to the Apple headquarters. Granted, it's not that far from his house, but still, he, he made a personal appearance in behalf of this album. Yeah, to me, that says that he believes in this project at some point, so there you go. <laughs> Ken, what was your vote? My vote? The highest rating possible. I'm giving it a big thumbs up, plus one. Duly noted. So, we have a potential seven votes out of the panel. What's our average on the rating? Like, you know, for example, Rotten Tomatoes has the green scale or the red scale. What is our rating overall? You're asking me to do math, Ken? Ken yes. I just finished my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> this is where we need Melanie on. She could have done the accounting work. Well, we have five, five plus ones, which is the highest vote, and then you have the two uh, three-quarter votes from me and Jeff Hewitt. Uh -huh. So that so puts six us... six and a half. Six and a half out of a possible seven. That's pretty darn good. Not a bad day's work. Very good, guys. Very good. So, Rhino, you're on to something here. This this might actually please Monkeys fans, if that's possible. So, uh, <laughs> We are kind of persnickety. Yeah. So, uh, just as a bonus kind of thing, we mentioned earlier about the Some Like It Lukewarm Blu-ray tease of the episode on YouTube. Craig Cohen, did you get a chance to check it out? I jumped through the episode. Um, I didn't really uh, have time to sit down and watch the whole episode, mm -hmm. but I was floored by what I saw. And I, I hope the fans out there um, that, that end up buying this um, or don't buy it appreciate the time and the effort and the expense that went into restoring this series. It's not uh, an easy or cheap undertaking, and a lot of uh, our media from the past does not get this opportunity. So it was just really, really remarkable to look at. And knowing uh, that I'm a fan of Star Trek and that me and Jeff Hewlett do the tricorder transmissions, it, it really is a treat to be a fan of both series and have them both restored you know, for, for our viewing pleasure. It, it, it's, it's a real treat, and um, as fans, we're very, very, very lucky that the, the monkeys are under the watchful and protective eye of Rhino. Mm -hmm. Very, very true. Jeff Hewlett. Uh, very impressed by the restoration job. Very happy. It looks great. Sounds great. I'm, I'm looking forward to actually seeing it um, on a physical disc format instead of the, the uh, streaming from YouTube and being contingent upon the quality of my internet connection at the time so uh, not not com easy to make a complete judgment on the quality uh, until you see the final finished product on a disc but um, very happy with what I've seen so far and makes me very hopeful mm -hmm. Mark from Monkey's Live Almanac it looked fantastic and they picked one of my favorite episodes too um, what I'm really excited for as well with the blu-ray set is that bonus disc Really looking forward to seeing perhaps, uh, uh, just take the Johnny Cash show, revamped yes. and restored. The footage from the KHJ train ride. Lots of goodies going to be in there. I'm, I'm figuring I'm going to have to set aside a couple of days to uh, take it all in. Yeah, absolutely. 
Melinda Gildart. I, I think it looks amazing. Um, again, uh, just to uh, you know, second that one of my favorite episodes. You know, um, my favorite scene is actually in the teaser with Davy and Mickey harmonizing, and, and Mike just being you know the card that he is. But um, I think the efforts that you know Andrew and John and the folks at Rhino have you know have given us you know with this uh, bringing it to Blu-ray. You know, I didn't have a Blu-ray player at first. I went out and got one, you know, anticipation of this, but I'm just so looking forward to it. And being either a vinyl or a digital girl that I am, you know, going out and purchasing this Blu-ray player says a lot because, you know, I'm not a fan of CDs or even DVDs, um, but I'm willing to make this investment because it, it looks amazing. And I'm jumping right to, you know, the footage on Daddy's song, seeing Davey performing the white tux versus the black tux. I think that's just going to blow my mind and I'm looking forward to it. Sarah Clark. Well, some like it lukewarm looked incredible. Um, somebody pointed out you could actually see Davy's leg hair through the tights now, which I thought was hilarious. And yes, you can. But my plan <laughs> when I get my plan <laughs> when I get the the Blu-ray is I'm going to go through like all the pad scenes, like uh, frame by frame, blown up. So that I can like pick out all the stuff that's on the walls in the pad mm -hmm. and all those things that we could just sort of see blurry in the distance because I have a feeling that so many cool Easter eggs and stuff are going to pop out that we've just never been able to see before. That'll mean more posters for Jeff Hewlett to fixate on during yes, the Yes, don't feed the wonder commentary. dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Geringer, what are your thoughts on the Some Like a Lukewarm sneak peek? And that's exactly what I look at it as, as a sneak peek. You know, the difference between, I'm sure, what streams on my computer and what will come out of my Blu-ray are, are going to be night and day. But you can tell without question a huge, huge thank you to John and to Andrew and to all the people that spent time in this restoration. Because you can just tell it's going to be awesome. Very good. Very good. Uh, I was amazed by not only what I saw, but what I heard. And for the first time ever in my life, and I've seen this show a ton of times, but there were, like, Mickey saying something about salami at one point. I'd never heard that before. <laughs> and then there was Davey singing everybody, or humming and singing everybody loves somebody sometime while he's sitting there getting ready to sit down with uh, Dean Martin's daughter, who plays the character in the episode. And... Just stuff like that is really amazing. All the things that, that you saw for the first time. Like, I actually thought that, you know, you mentioned the hair on Davy's legs. I thought that that was a pattern in the stocking. And then I realized, my God, Davy was one hairy dude. <laughs> <laughs> he had a lot of plucking to do. So, and that's not Peter on the banjo or Mike on the 12 string. So, uh, it, it, I, I was just stunned by what you saw and how good it looked. And if it looks this great on YouTube, imagine what right. it's like on a high-def television on a really good Blu-ray player. So, excellent. What was our final score, Sarah? Six and a half out of seven. So a six and a half out of seven, that's pretty darn good. Thank you, Rhino. We look forward to what's to come. Don't forget to see the monkeys on tour. And here's Sarah with the Monkeys Concert Calendar. And here's your Monkeys Concert Calendar. 
May 18th, the Monkees will be performing in Fort Myers, Florida at the Barbara B. Mann Performing Arts Hall. On the 19th, they'll be in Melbourne, Florida at the King Center for the Performing Arts. On the 20th, they'll be in Tampa at Ruth Eckerd Hall. Moving on to the 21st, they'll be in Atlanta, Georgia at the Frederick Brown Jr. Amphitheater. On May 24th, they'll be in Charlotte, North Carolina at the Blumenthal PAC Belk Theater. On May 26th, they'll be in Washington, D.C. at the Warner Theater. On the 27th, they'll be in Boston at the Wilbur Theater. And on the 28th, they'll be in Philadelphia at the Keswick Theater. And then the 29th, they'll be in Red Bank, New Jersey at the Count Basie Theater. Moving on to June, on June 1st, they'll be in New York, New York at the Town Hall. On the 3rd, they'll be in Toronto, Ontario at Casino Rama Entertainment Center. On the 4th, they're moving on to Windsor, Ontario, where they'll be at the the Coliseum at Caesars Windsor. On June 5th, they'll be in Cleveland, Ohio at the Hard Rock Live Northfield Park. June 7th, the Monkees will be in Fort Wayne, Indiana at Fullinger Theater. The 10th, in Louisville, Kentucky at the Louisville Palace Theater. The 11th, Hammond, Indiana in the venue at Horseshoe Casino. June 12th, Indianapolis, Indiana at the Marat Theater at Old National Center. The 14th, they'll be in Dayton, Ohio at the Rose Music Center at the Heights. And the 28th of June, they'll be in Dallas at the AT&T PAC Windsphere Opera House. And on June 30th, they will be in Tulsa, Oklahoma at the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino at The Joint. Uh, Moving on to July, they'll be in Mayetta, Kansas at the Prairie Band Casino and Resort Grand Lakes Ballroom. On the 16th, the Monkees will be in Hampton Beach, New Hampshire at the Hampton Beach Casino Ballroom. On the 22nd, they'll be in Hot Springs, Arkansas at the Oaklawn Racing and Gaming Finish Line Theater. Uh, Then we move on to September. On September 14th, the Monkees will be playing Tucson, Arizona at the Fox Tucson Theater. On September 15th, they'll be in Phoenix, Arizona at the Mesa Arts Center at the Iketa Theater. On September 16th, they'll be in Los Angeles, California at the Pentagis Theater. On September 17th, they'll be in Las Vegas at the Prim Valley Casino Resorts Star of the Desert Arena. On the 20th, they'll be in San Francisco at the Warfield. On the 21st, the Monkees will be in Modesto, California, Gallo Center for the Arts. On the 23rd, they'll be in Lincoln City, Oregon at the Chinook Winds Casino Resort. They have another show there on the 24th as well. On the 25th, the Monkees move on to Seattle and they'll be putting on a show at the Moore Theater. In October, on October 1st, uh, the Monkees will be at the Biloxi, Mississippi, Hard Rock Live Biloxi. On the 22nd, they'll be at the Paso Robles, California, Vina Robles Amphitheater. And on October 29th, the current last day of the tour, they will be at Shippensburg, Pennsylvania, at the Shippensburg University H. Rick Lurs PAC. And that's your Monkees concert calendar. So thank you, Sarah, for reading that for us. You just have more wind than I do, so there you go. So who's going to be catching what shows? Mark T., where are you seeing them? I will be seeing the Monkees at the Keswick Theater in Philadelphia on May 28th. Jeff Hewlett? I will be seeing the Monkees on May 29th at the Count Basie Theater in Red Bank, New Jersey. Very good. Greg Cohen? I will hopefully be taking the ride into Prim Nevada for their Las Vegas show on September 17th. Very good. Melinda Gildart? 
I will be in the eighth row um, in Hammond, Indiana at the Venue Theater at the Horseshoe Casino on June 11th. Very good. And Jeff Geringer. I will be at the Pantages Theater on Hollywood Boulevard on September 16th with apparently listening to the interview between Ken and John Hughes. Might be some special guests that night, so I'm looking forward to it. Wouldn't that be something? So, look for the Zilch crew, and Sarah, where are you going to be? I will be at two shows. I'll be at June 5th in Cleveland, Ohio, at the Hard Rock Live Northfield Park, and in fact, Melanie Mitchell will be with me. I know that Melanie is also going to be at the Dallas show on the 28th of June, and Melanie and I will both be at the concert in Tulsa, Oklahoma, at the Hard Rock Hotel and Casino. Very good. So look for your fellow Zilchers and the Zilch staff at uh, at a monkey show near you. And check the Zilch Facebook page where you can have meetups at the show with various Zilch Facebookers. And uh, this is very cool. So we want to thank our panel, Mark from Monkey's Live Almanac, Melinda Gildart, Craig Cohen, Jeff Hewlett, Jeff Geringer, and Sarah Clark. I'm Ken Mills, your host today. And check us out on Twitter at ZilchCast and send us an email. Check the show notes for that information. And we will see you on the next episode of Zilch. And until then, take some time out to listen to She Makes Me Laugh. Cue that music. And that's our show. Zilch is an online nonprofit monkeys audio fancy made by fans for fans. Any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners. We are not related to the monkeys or any of their members past or present. We are not affiliated with Rhino or Ray Bird. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes and buy it. If you enjoyed the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying always take some time to monkey around. <laughs> Don't now. Now really, everybody cool it because I'm going to be able to get through this. Action. Hey, wow. It's a groovy button. What does it say? Love is the ultimate trip. Oh, gee, that's a nice thought. Gee, that's a neat button. What does it say? <laughs> and I can't for the life of me think of it right now. We were talking about it earlier. I thought it was any time at all. No. Yes. No? Well, hold on. Well, let's start that. Hold on. We're going to do it. I, I just remembered. I think I remember it. Now I've got any time at all stuck in my head. Oh, my God. It's, it's sad when your mind starts to fade. Remember on the Beatles record, it goes bum, ba da 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 dum, bum. Anytime at all. Wow, that's, that's interesting that you say that because the other, one, the other one I'm thinking of, it won't be long. Okay, there we go. And of course, the one riff in the song, me being a huge Beatle fan, it reminds me of any. T- you jinxed me. Now, Jeff, you do your uh, anytime at all thing. <laughs> And Sarah, you can even go, I hear that too, like you did. You mean you want to play the original version and not my vocal? Well, (laughs) there's always the blooper section. Anyway. Sorry, Mark, I'll try to be more professional. (laughs) No problem. (laughs) And here's the bit from the Beatles. Which which one is it? Anytime Anytime at at all. all.